Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Bonjour à nouveau, mes belles hurleurs, et bienvenue à un autre épisode de Scream Queens, le podcast où l'horreur est pliée. C'est l'épisode 102, et ce soir, c'est la Saint-Sylvestre. Pour célébrer, nous sommes à votre écoute pour une location de vacances à thème épisode de Suspense Radio Théâter, avec Peter Lor appelé, Retour pour Noël. En passant, je suis Véronica. Un travesti français cornet à l'honneur que Patrick obtenu dans l'email pour Noël. Le spectacle débutera juste après que j'ai gratté la pâte à crêpes de mon trou du cul. Juste après cela, fabuleux. Okay, what are you selling? She's like, I'm selling magazine subscriptions. I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't want to buy any magazines. She's like, okay. So she reaches down to her cleavage and pulls out a joint, and she's like, want to celebrate 420? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Plumpkin head, you just don't want to see through his eyes when he's doing <laughs> no. it. No. It's just not good. <laughs> so see it, it in 3D. That'll buy you one heck of a Plumpkin. We just, we, as soon as we announced the title, Dave was just like, oh, Blumpkinhead. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure we'll be making fun of it all. That New Jersey hooker gave me a Blumpkin and a scorching case of gentle warts for only $3.62. <laughs> wow. That's a pretty good deal. Drunken zombie, lowering standards across the nation every fucking show. And remember, if you're looking for high-class podcast quality, head over to drunkenzombie.com. Massive. Hello again, everybody. Yay! Welcome back to another show. Well, that was a weird intro. Don't you think? Well, maybe it's just from working in New York during the holiday season when we're overrun by tourists that it just got me in the international mood. So I bought myself... Well, you know, for those of you who couldn't understand... The introduction, which I, I can't really fathom at all, seeing that it was perfectly easy to understand conversational French. Anyway, I got a transvestite, French transvestite hooker for Christmas. Uh, her name's Veronica, and, you know, she just wanted to be you know, a little celebrity for a while, but, you know, that's enough of her. Okay? So if you didn't understand that, we're going to have another classic radio episode starring Peter Laurie called Back for Christmas. Yeah, I tried to find one about New Year's Eve, and surprisingly, I couldn't. I figured that would be easy, but nope. Nope, nope, nope. And I figure, hey, you can't go wrong with Peter Lorre. Am I right? Am I right? Well, except if it's porn. But it's not, so we're good. Now, the other thing I want to say before we get started. If you're hearing weird noises in the background behind me, well, all listeners know that it's that time of year again. No, not that time of year. That time of year is gross. No, 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 no. I meant, it's cold here. It's cold enough here for the heat in our apartment building to go on. And so if you hear any clanking, 
and hissing and bubbling and blunking and blonking in the background, it's because our building has And if you have in your building, it can make a lot of noise. So, don't worry. There's nothing wrong with your electronic music IP3, MP3, IP3. Well, if you have an IP3 player, there's nothing wrong with it. MP3 player, nothing wrong with it. It's just that I have... And that's just how it goes. You know, every year I make this joke. This joke about... And I doubt anybody finds it funny but me. But you know what? Good, because it cracks me up. <laughs> One more time. Okay, put it away till 2014, Patrick. Yes. So what's been going on since the last time you asked? Well, thank you very much for asking, because I got some fun stuff to tell you. Well, what happened? Oh, well, Christmas. Okay, we'll start with that. Uh, my concert with the New York City Game Men's Chorus, the Christmas concert, went well. Now, if you were listening before, you know I had reservations about it because it wasn't particularly holiday-themed. And while the show was good, we got uh, reviews saying that we have never sounded better, which I have to agree with. When I heard us, you know, I was walking to the house and heard everybody singing at one point. I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing. Like, perfectly balanced. No voices standing out. You go... Your goal with choral singing is a, the concept of one voice. It sounds like hundreds of voices singing as blending enough to sound like one voice. We got that. And the band was perfectly balanced. No parts sticking out. Not too loud. Not too soft. But you build it as a holiday concert and you didn't give the people what you paid. they paid for. And so it wasn't a huge success critically or Ticket-wise, we kind of flopped in a big way, yo. But that's okay, because, you know, the, the day of Christmas came, and I spent it with my family. You know, Brad and I went out to Long Island. We spent it at my parents' house for a while, and then at my brother's house for a while. And it was your typical family nonsense. Those of you who keep up with what goes on in my brother's house, his father-in-law from the Italian side of the family, Lou was there. And as soon as I walked in the door, he's like, hey, bad. And of course, once I see Lou and he sees me, it's just a matter of time before he brings up the swimming story. Now, you kind of can place, place a bet on it. It's going to happen. You just don't know when. It's like Jason. You know he's going to pop up and kill everybody. But you just don't know when he's going to do it. And it's like that. So I walked in the door. Immediately, he's like, hey, Pat. Hey, Lou, what's going on, Lou? How you been? And surprisingly, it took over three hours. And then just as dessert was finished, he's like, Hey, Pat, remember that time you were at my house in Forest Hills and you were in the pool and you were swimming and you were swimming so good. And my neighbor came over and he said, Hey, that kid can swim really good. And you were so young. And that was apparently that was the greatest achievement of my life is swimming in his pool in Forest Hills when I was a kid. I have no recollection of this event whatsoever, but Lou is apparently the balls to Lou. So yeah, that was, you know, Christmas as always. The other countdown is till when somebody in my family goes, well, Christmas is over. Cause somebody always does that too, because someone always has to be the party pooper. It's always one of the women. Surprisingly this year, it was Lou. I'm like, oh God. My family's rubbing off on you, Lou. That's bad. You better get in that pool and start swimming and wash it off. Now, the other thing we did for Christmas is that Bradford and I got to go see a little Christmas play. 
But it wasn't just any Christmas play. No, 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 no. Because it was put on by the one, the only, Dandy Darkly. And I believe it was called Under the Camel Tail. <laughs> now you know Dandy. He guested a few episodes back. He reviewed Tourist Trap with me. And he's a trip and a half. And he wrote and produced and directed this little Christmas show. And it had some other familiars associated with this show here. Killy. Killy Dwyer uh, from... Uh, Kill the band, whose music I played on here. She played the little drummer boy. But what was so weird about it? Okay, first of all, Dandy Darkly played God. A very white, sequiny God with a lot of eyeshadow and a teeny tiny sparkly hat perched over his right temple in his signature style and skin tight silver. Tights with a very large dildo shoved down them. So you could see God's package. At least I, I think it was a dildo. Otherwise, hey, Dandy, how you doing? But yeah, so it was just the story of the nativity, sort of. Not really. If, you know, you want to say that Joseph was a closeted homosexual and Mary was a raving drunk bitch. <laughs> and God only knocked her up because an angel dared him to. And it was... <laughs> And it was just really, really, really gross and grotesque and magical. And the thing that was kind of sad about it, it was only for three nights. And this we went on the last night. I was supposed to meet one of our listeners and the blogger, I don't know, I can't think of it. The blogger, Dan, who writes for Boys, Bears, and Scares, which is another great little horror blog if you're interested in that sort of thing, particularly the hairy variety. And who's not? If you're not, well, I just feel sorry for you, but that's not the point right now. But we had weather. We had another snowpocalypse, as the media likes to call it these days. And while it was not snowpocalypse, they acted like it was. It was a little slushy, but it was cold and it was wet and it was gross and it kept everybody home. They went from packed house to packed house to like, eh, 10 people. And we were appreciative, but you can kind of see there was that, oh, kind of feeling. The other thing that was terrible about that night, it was SantaCon. Dun, dun, dun. Now, for those of you who don't know what SantaCon is, SantaCon is an annual pub crawl that attracts thousands of people dressed as Santa or Santa's helpers. And they get shit-faced and rowdy and violent and just gross. So there's lots of vomiting and lots of just... You know, bad things. But the thing was, it was so cold and slushy this year. Santa seemed to have a, have a very large reduction in the amount of slutty helpers. So I remember the first time I saw SantaCon, I'm like, well, I know Santa had elves to help him, and he had reindeer, but I did not know he had this whole stable full of sluts. Scantily clad sluts to help him with the presents. And I said, that's nice. It's a part of the story I didn't know about. I guess it's from Spain. I'm going to go with Spain. Sure. Okay. But anyway, back to Dandy Darkly. The thing that made this really, really, just, it was kind of like Pee Wee Herman on crack. And Pee Wee Herman is already like life on crack. But this was like dirty Pee Wee Herman on crack. Because all this story was all fucked up, as you can already tell. And it was all about they had to save the camel or kill the camel. You know, people were out to kill the camel or save the camel. And you're like, what camel? Oh, well, Joseph bought a camel. For Mary. And the camel was played by the amazing Amy. Who's the amazing Amy? Well, kids, I'm going to tell you. The amazing Amy is a 67-year-old contortionist. 
Now picture it, this very frail, 67-year-old woman in brown tights with this fucked up, like, half hat, half camel mask on top of her head, and not a tooth in her head. Not a single tooth in her entire head. So you have this tiny, frail woman, Joseph singing this song about, I don't know, being gay, and I don't know, I wish I could have a baby with Mary and make her happy, but I love my camel. And the camel's doing her contortion dance, which seems to have nothing to do with what he's singing about. And the whole time I was just like, it was a horror show. I mean, she was talented. She could do things very well, but she was 67 years old or 76, or whatever it was. And not a tooth in her head. Grandma didn't put her teeth in. And there was a certain point where he's singing. I don't even know what the fuck he's singing because all I saw was this woman contorted so much and that camel head mask. It was just the top of her head was coming out from between her legs, like from behind. And it looked like basically she was giving birth to her own head. There was a camel coming out of her vagina. And the camel didn't have a tooth in its head either. And Kelly came out and sang two of her brilliant songs, including Anal for Christmas, which I might include on here. I might not, because Christmas is over. You know what? I might. You know what? I'm short on time. I don't have time for you, Kelly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, it's actually New Year's Eve right now. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, but it's New Year's Eve right now. And I had to get you guys an episode out this time. Uh, send the year off right. And... I've been bogged down with a lot of stuff because work at the Jekyll and High Club has been crazy because it's tourist season. And what's normally an exhausting day is a triply exhausting day. So when I get home, I'm wrecked. I don't have a voice, as you can hear. And the last thing I want to do is talk to anybody. Sorry, kids. So, and plus, I haven't seen anything that was really super worth talking about or that I could comprehend because I'm so fucking tired. But anyway, speaking of the Jekyll and High Club, some of you might remember Jay Emmett. He used to host the host. He used to host the obscure '80s podcast, and he's been on the show here several times. I know he reviewed uh, "Love at First Bite" with me and um, something else. I don't remember, but anyway, he called me up and he's like, uh, "Hey Patrick," because this is how he talks, not really. Hey Patrick, my wife is coming to New York with one of her friends, and I thought maybe you could take her around and show her the town. I said, "Of course I will." And so they came and met me at the Jekyll and Hyde Club so they could see the end of my spiel. They saw me, you know, running around talking to everybody and do my creation speech and, you know, the Frankenstein thing. And I did my Elephant Man scene. And they got to see my entire gamut of performance at the Jekyll and Hyde Club. And then who walks in? Stephen and Brandon. Listener Stephen and Brandon from Maryland. Did I text them and tell them when I was on duty and I had Heather there? Yes, I did, because they were just up to do whatever they do. Ice skate, ice fall, and then I don't know, wear ugly sweaters and alphabetize porn. I don't know what they do. I don't judge. I mock, but I don't judge. But they came, so I had everybody, and in the middle of the Elephant Man speech, I realized I totally breasted Stephen. You know, because I'm interacting with the audience and I'm having my headset mic on and I'm doing my thing and I'm doing my spiel and I ta- came up behind him and tapped him on the shoulder and then I reached around and grabbed both of his boobs and went wonka, wonka, wonka and did not realize I had done it until I had done it. And I was like, damn, that was some shit. But then I had to leave. My shift was over. They just got there, but I'm like, I got to take my girls out on, for a night out on town because we met Mr. Bradford and we went to go see 
a show that's touring the world right now. So there's a very good possibility it's in your area. And it's called La Soiree. And what it is, it's a circus show. And you're like, another French fucking circus show? No, because that's what I thought going in. This is like circus meets vaudeville meets burlesque. So it's like got this whole sexy, comic, dirty vibe to it. And it's wonderful. What a wonderful, fun evening. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I just took the church ladies to a smut show. They were right there with her. Because as soon as it starts, we meet, the lights come up, and there's this enormous black drag queen in a glittering gold gown who we learn is, his name is, uh, her name is rather, um, Legato Chocolate. I said, of course it is. Second song to welcome us. And then the show begins. And it's wonderful. Like, the thing is, we're not in, like, a ring. It's not on a stage. Um, I mean, we are in a ring, but we're in a theater. But there's no place in the theater where you're more than 50 feet from them. We were in the second row, and I, I could have reached out and grabbed anybody at any time if I wanted to. And believe me, I wanted to, because this show was fucking hot. Hot, 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 hot. Now, first of all, we got these two guys come out, and they're in, like, traditional British garb, because I believe it's a show initially out of Britain. You know, like, you know, like oldie-timey stuff with, like, the fancy hats. Looking like Mr. Banks from Mary Poppins. Yeah, and they're, they're doing this thing. You know, those things those were... Oh, God, you know, I'm so stupid. Balancing things. They're balancing on each other, and it's cool because they're really close, and you're like, oh, my God, they're going to fall on me. This is crazy. But then as they're doing this, it's like one's balancing on the other's hand all the way, or it's, like, balancing on the other guy's head. They start pulling each other's clothes off a little bit at a time, and eventually they're completely naked. Except for teeny tiny briefs, which of course have the, 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 the flag of England on it. And, you know, sock garters, because that's very sexy. And their bowler hats. I'm like, this, and Heather's just like, ah, I'm going to remember this moment forever. I said, just you wait, honey. Well, I didn't say that then. I'm like, well, God, the show's just begun. Well, we didn't meet Bath Boy yet. Oh, children, 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 if I cannot stress this enough, you need to see La Soiree so that you can meet Bath Boy. Unfortunately, if you're not in the New York area, your Bath Boy won't be my Bath Boy because my Bath Boy was Stephen Williams. And what are you talking about, Bath Boy? Well, they will at this tub. Half-naked man comes out wearing nothing but a pair of blue jeans, gets in the tub of water, and he's an aerialist, an aerialist acrobatic. And they start playing Nina Simone, birds in the sky, you know how I feel. And he's doing his aerialist routine. He's dipping in the water, and the water's splashing all over everybody. And he's doing it on purpose. He'll look at you and be like, I throw water on you. I got you wet. Not that he's saying that, but it was in his eyes because he got me wet. And here's the thing. We're in the second row, the front row. They gave them plastic bags to keep them dry. And these motherfuckers put them up. I was like, son of a bitch. I'll be up there like, spit on me. Spit on me. And it was really kind of amazing and embarrassing because I found myself gasping like a teenage girl. Occasionally, it was because it got really dangerous. But usually, it was because it was really dangerous and it looked really hot doing it. So this is the kind of a thing. <gasps> oh. <gasps> oh. Ooh. And then I heard Heather doing the same thing. And that act and, and, and ended, and I looked at Heather, she looked at me, and I'm like, I can go home right now. I'm like, I need to light up a cigarette right now. Amazing show. I have one more story to tell about this, and I'll be done. I saw a woman's vagina. 
I know, it's one thing to be a vagina, but a woman's vagina? Holy shit, that is crazy. That's some crazy shit. And what happened was, this well-dressed woman comes out. And they're playing this kind of comic-y burlesque music. And she's doing a little magic trick with a hanky. She has a little red hanky. Poof, it's gone. Like, oh, wow, stupid, simple magic. Bam, she pulls it out of her jacket pocket. We're like, yay, that was great. Then she takes the jacket off. Hanky gone. Comes out of her shirt pocket. Then she takes her shirt off. She's in her bra, bra and a skirt. Do, 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 do you see where this is going? Do you see where this is going? She's down, she's topless now. She's got, she's just in her panties. And Heather's going, she's not going to. And I had already heard that somebody took all their clothes off, some woman, this, the, her vagina like rang throughout the gay community. Because it's right there, it was right there. There was a point where she was bumping and grinding and she bump, bump right in my face and I was like, <gasps> My mother would be so proud. I, look, I looked into the face of the vagina and it did not explode. And I'm okay. I applauded. I went, ha ha ha! And it got down. She's butt ass naked! Butt ass naked! And rolling. She like, doo -doo 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 -doo. the hanky's gone. She's looking at us like, where did it go? And I'm like, where did it go? I really hope it didn't go there. And it did. It did. And it was really cute and really amazing. And the thing that made it really even more magical was that we're applauding and Bradford's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, that was so funny. I was just afraid that it was going to be like that magic trick where one scarf turns into like a whole chain of scarves and she'd be pulling out this long chain out of there and I don't know either a tampon or a turd would fall out and I would not enjoy that at all. I said, I don't think anybody would enjoy that at all. It ain't that kind of circus, baby. It ain't that. I know Bath Boy wouldn't like it. Ugh, Bath Boy. Ugh. Also, I have to take blame for this. Before I took them to the show, I took them to the pleasure chest. I took these Midwestern wives, church people, to the pleasure chest. The pleasure chest is a very high-end sex store. It's very classy. Um, sex toys and accessories and things like that. It's very, very chic, 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 chic. And I thought they would appreciate that, that it's not sleazy, it's classy. And I figured I was going to blow their minds. Nuh-uh, they blew mine. The next thing I know, they had everything. I'm like, Brr, that's not strong enough. Brr, oh, this not big enough. Why would you even use this, this, this small? We were in there forever. And there's like, I don't know, these new sex toys, like dildo things, but they have these weird kind of tentacle things at the bottom. This is the new thing. They look like rabbit ears or some kind of insect legs. And I go, what is this for? I don't understand this. And Heather, without missing a beat, church lady looks in my face and goes, well, that's because you don't have a clitoris. And went back to playing with it. I'm like, oh my God. Oh no. Oh no, no. Tell me more. We must have been in there for an hour. I'm like, girls, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. But are we done yet? No. Because unfortunately, through all this, you know, I found out what kind of sex animals these ladies were, but I also found out things about Jay Emmett that I didn't need to know. Oop, that's my alarm going off for absolutely no reason. But, anyway. We just stepped foot in the shop. There's a little rack. Of, you know, knickknacks, 
right inside the door. You know, incidentals, as they call them in the checkout world, you know, in the retail world. Things you pick up on the way to the counter, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll get this too. And all of a sudden, she just goes, oh, look, they got coochie. Oh, Jay loves this. Jay uses coochie all the time. He uses it to shave his face, and that way it doesn't cut up my... Well, never mind. No. 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 So, Jay, you know you're going to get a case of coochie for Christmas from me at some point. And now I have to think of that. But what was worse? What was worse? Her her and Barb are going up and down the dildo aisle. And she... I just overheard this. She's talking to Barb. Heather's got two dildos in her hand. And she's like, well, Jay, he's not this size. But he's not this size either. He's like right in between. Like if you can just picture one this size. And I'm like, whoa, I can see your penis, Jay. I'm I'm imagining your penis. And also one of the dildos was black. Of course, the big one was black. And I'm like, ah. Got a mulatto penis. That's okay if you are a mulatto penis. Did I just say mulatto? Oh my god, what year is it? If you're mixed race, I don't just leave me alone. I was freaking out. You can't judge me about racist things when they are freaking me out. I reverted to old habits that I was not proud of. So I got these girls all good and horny. So by the time we got to that show, I was afraid when bad boys were like spinning around the air and there's water flying off those jeans and he's making beautiful arms. Oh god, oh my god, he's just glistening in his muscles. And oh my god. All of a sudden, I'm just going to see somebody's top go flying off there. Like, they start flashing boobs, and then I have to explain that to Jay Emmett. Actually, I did explain that to Jay Emmett because I drunk-dialed him at 2 o'clock in the morning, shit-faced. I told him the whole thing. I told him about the coochie. I told him about the dildos. I told him about what sluts his wife turned into. They turned into horny bitches. I said, Jay, I hope you're ready when Heather gets home because you... Have a lot of fucking to do. Uh, 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 uh. Anyway, ladies, it was a thrill to have you in New York. It was a thrill to take you around. I'm so glad you had a good time, and I'm glad you shocked me as much as I shocked you. So, La Soiree, if it's in your area, see it. I know it's in various countries and various continents. Enough about them. Enough about them. I had other stuff to talk about, but p- perfectly honest, I've been babbling long enough. There's a couple movies I could talk about, but I don't feel like it. And you know why? Because I'm starting work on the blog portion of this whole Scream Queens experience now. You know, I was reading, and they said the best way to, like, beef up your listenership is to alternate with the blog. I said, you don't have to do it often. I said, okay, that makes sense. If I do a show one week, I'll do a blog post the next week. So Brett has to set up a, a feed for the blog, but keep an eye out on that. And uh, there's already blog posts out there because there is a website and there's an app on Xbox and evidently you can also download it for your phone. It's called Fright Picks. F-R-I-G-H-T-P-I-X. And it is a source of free horror movies on all of those platforms. And most of them are very, very independent, which means I've never heard of a lot of them. And they're very, very low budget which means a lot of them are probably going to be horrible. However, there are some titles on there that I have already seen, and I know that they're good. Things that I've talked about on here, like Easter Bunny Kill Kill, and Someone's Knocking at the Door, and Puppet Monster Massacre, and several others. So I said, okay, so there's good stuff in there, so this is going to be a fun place to search for diamonds in the shit pile, because I'm sorry, everybody, 
everybody gets all those Netflix streaming things at the same time. So it's really hard to scoop anybody on a new movie because everybody is looking at the same things you're looking at. And I'm looking at the time right now, and I have talked long enough. Now, as I said, I've run out of time for this year, and I figured a good way to go out is with an all-time radio show. It's from the series Suspense, which I've had on the show before. And even though it's about Christmas, it's not a super Christmassy show, but it's got Peter Laurie, the king of creepy. And it's funny, and it's a little bit spooky, and it's a great little revenge, twisty, twisty tale, and I think you'll like it. So, I will see you after the show, or, you know, well, you'll hear me after the show, and just shut up, Patrick, and let's go back in time. You know what? Let's play some Killy. I'm going to play some Killy. Look up Killy Dwyer, Kill the Band, on Amazon.com. Pick up her albums. They're really cheap. They're like between 5 and $10. You will love her. She's a fabulous, fabulous person and a fabulous, fabulous artist. And shut up. We're going back in time to whatever, but not yet. So shut up. I don't know what I'm saying. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. You are so hard to buy for. Saying you don't need nothing. Better to give than to receive And all you need is my loving You shower me with gifts You always know just what I need And give me whatever I want You buy my love Guaranteed You have been a good boy You've done more than you share Now it's time to get your freak on Take off that snuggie in your underwear your mistletoe is raging The eggnog has made me lose For the man who has everything My gift is better than a Christmas goose This year we're gonna go all out Gonna give you all my heart desires There will be a group of angels Tucked in your stocking Hung by the fire Presented by Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salute, your health and your.
Roma toasts the world. The wine for your table is Roma, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight in Hollywood, Roma brings you as star Mr. Peter Lorre. The suspense play which stars Mr. Lorre and which is produced and directed by William Spear is called Back for Christmas. In this series, Roma brings you tales calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so with Back for Christmas and with the performance of Peter Lorre, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Yes, Marie. What on earth are you doing down here in the cellar? Oh, uh, just doing a little digging. And why, may I ask, have you chosen this day of all days to dig up the cellar floor? Oh, I thought because the weather has been so damp, this would be a good time to plant that little <laughs> devil's garden I told you about. Devil's garden? Whatever nonsense is that? <laughs> Don't you remember that was my little joke about it? You see, uh, I've managed to get hold of the spores of several unclassified wild orchids. In a wild state, they bloom under damp masses of leaf mold. The South American Indians call them devil flowers because they appear to bloom under the ground. Well, I'm sure the South American Indians will be very interested if you succeed in growing these ridiculous flowers under the cellar floor. <laughs> Whom else it will interest, I can't imagine. Oh, what's that? Terrible smell. Oh, that's the leaf mold. Uh, chemically identical with the earth blanket they grow under in their wild state. And I want to get these started before we close the house. Do you realize that we're sailing for America a week from today and you've made no arrangements whatever? Unless you call digging a hole in the cellar making arrangements. I certainly don't. Devil's garden, indeed. <laughs> Sometimes I think you're going soft in the head, Hubert. Oh, I, I suppose it is inconsiderate of me. You see, and I've been wanting to try this experiment for a long time, but uh, with all those lectures and seminars at the university, there, there never seemed to, uh, to be enough time. Well, there certainly isn't any time for it now. I suppose you've forgotten I made an appointment for you at the barber's this afternoon. Oh, must I shave my beard off, Hermione? I thought we'd been through all that. Of course oh. you must. They don't wear beards in America. Bad enough you're speaking with that accent. They'll probably think we're Germans as it is. Oh, I should think it would be quite easy just to explain it, I'm swear. Now, Hubert, don't be argumentative. Oh. Go and get your jacket on and do as I tell you. Yes, Hermione. And don't forget to take your umbrella. It looks like rain. Yes, Hermione. And don't look so put upon, Hubert. Someone has to plan things in this house. Never even get to the university in time for your lectures, much less make arrangements for a trip to America. I know, but, but what about my specimens? There'll be plenty of time to plant your precious devil's garden when we get home from America. We're not going to be gone forever, you know. We'll be back here for Christmas. Yes, of course. Back for Christmas. I'd forgotten. We'll try to remember it. And if you can't do that, just do as I tell you. I've been making the plans in this house for 20 years. And yeah. if there's any digging to be done... 
I'll manage that as well. You understand, Hubert? Yes, Hermione. Good. Now, you have just uh, 20 minutes to clean up this mess down here and keep your appointment at the barber's. And when you finish there, I want you to come straight home. All right. Oh, oh I, I wanted to stop at Miss Markham's and pick up some books I ordered. Well, all right. But don't loiter there the whole afternoon mauling over those old books the way you usually do. Now hurry and clear up this rubbish. Get rid of that smelly stuff. And no more digging, mind you. No more digging. <laughs> I'll show her. I'll have my devil's garden and if I... No more digging, eh? No more digging. Oh, 15 men on a dead man's chest. Good evening, Miss Markham. Why, it is Professor Schumacher, isn't it? <laughs> Do you like me better this way? You look ever so much younger without the beard. Twenty years at least. Twenty years. Oh, you'll be glad to know those books you ordered have finally arrived. Twenty. Oh, yes, the books. Let me see. The Phytotomy of Phalloid Gametophytes mm-hmm. and uh, Coniferous Shrubs of North America. Those are the very ones you ordered, <laughs> Yes, thank you. You're very kind, Miss Markham. Why kind, Professor Schumacher? Well, not not many young ladies in bookshops would go out of their way to look up rare books for an old professor of botany. Why, you're not old, Professor Schumacher. Really, you look... What do I look like? And besides, I adore botany. It's my particular hobby. Oh, really? You've never told me that before, Miss Markham. Well, I was afraid to. You <laughs> look so imposing with the beard and all. Oh, oh uh, Miss Markham... Uh, Forgive me if, if this sounds foolish, but since talking with you today, I, I feel that shaving off my beard is the most important thing I've done for 20 years. Oh, it yes. is. I, I, I'm sure it is. For 20 years. I'm, I'm so sorry that I've been so distant with you all this time. Oh, there were times when I almost spoke up. Mm-hmm. Times when you came in here tired after a day with your students at the university. You seemed so alone. The way I'm alone in the world. Alone. I'd like to have asked you to stay a while and talk with me, but some way or other, I I always wind up giving you your change and letting you go on your way. Say you, you're alone in the world? Since my father died. Oh, Miss, uh, Miss Markham, did, did you never think of marrying? My father was a very remarkable man. I never found anyone who seemed to measure up to what he led me to expect of men. Uh, Miss Markham... Oh. <laughs> It's been so long since anyone called me by my first name. Uh-huh. I'd like you to, if you want to. Oh, it's Marion. Marion. Oh, how nice. And, and yours? Well, uh, Hubertus. <laughs> but, it, but in English, Hubert sounds better. Huh? How long have you been alone, Hubert? Alone? I knew you were a widower, of course. I, widow. The first time I saw you. A widower. I can always tell there's a certain sadness in a man's eyes. Hmm. A sweet sadness, I think, when, when he's been married and then a lost... A widower. I never thought of it in quite that way. Oh, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have been talking like this, I suppose. But I've often wondered what she must have been like. Your wife, I mean. Hermione? (laughs) Not an easy woman to forget. Very strong. Always managing things. The house, my wardrobe, my friends. Even when we dined at a restaurant, she even then ordered my food. She was always managing things. Her whole life... Managed herself to death. Poor woman. She must have loved you very much. 
But you needn't have put herself out so. It's plain to see you don't need things managed for you. No. You need companionship, I think. Someone sympathetic with your work. But the last thing on earth you need is a manager. How well you put it. The last thing on earth. Operator. Operator, are you there? I'm still waiting on that call to Salisbury. Well, put them on quickly. Hello. Is this Paul Holton, son? It's Mrs. Hubert Schumacher. Did you receive my letter? Good. Now, remember, we'll be back for Christmas and I want the job done without fail. What's that? No. No, I'm sure he doesn't suspect anything. Send it to me in New York as I instructed you, addressed in my name, of course. Yes. I've already put them in the mail. You'll get them tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, here you are, Hubert. Where have you been? Oh, backstairs. I dismissed the servants. Dismissed the servants? Mm Mm-hmm. But I've asked some friends of mine into a farewell lunch and go and tell them it's a mistake. Well, uh, I'm afraid it's too late now. They've packed and gone. You have messed things up properly. How many times have I told you to leave things to me? I make the plans around here. Yes, Hermione. You have to do better than this when I plan the trip home or we'll never in the world be back for Christmas. Back for Christmas. Back for Christmas. Must you keep saying that? Why not? We are coming back for Christmas, aren't we? Well, supposing I I were offered a professorship in one of those wealthy American universities. Nonsense. Americans care nothing for botany. Well, Luther Burbank was an American, wasn't That's he? That's different. What have you ever done except muck around in the dirt with a lot of roots and tubers? Well, they asked me to lecture, didn't uh, they? All right. All right. Now, there's no use getting yourself in a state about this, Hubert. No doubt this extra money will come in very handy when we arrive back... Back for, for Christmas. Christmas. I Precisely. Know. No good to make a joke of it. Heaven knows where you'd be today if I hadn't got a sense of time. Yes, Hermione. And as you've been so foolish to dismiss the servants, you may empty the ashtrays and straighten up this room while we're waiting for the guests to arrive. Mm-hmm. I'm going in to have my bath. Call me when they get you. Marion? It's Hubert. No, no, darling, no, nothing is wrong. Oh, my plans are the same, uh, unless unless you have changed. No? Oh, we'll meet in New York, then, and be married there. Oh, I'll explain to you why later. Y- you just have to trust me. Yes. <laughs> yes, my darling. Hubert? Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't talk any longer. Yes, I'll meet you in New York. Without fail. I'll be the same, my liebchen. Hubert! Were you talking on the phone just uh, now? Uh, uh, yes, uh, yes, Hermione. Whoever was it? Oh, <laughs> Freddy, Freddy Sinclair. But didn't I hear you say something about meeting somebody in New York? Uh, why, yes. <laughs> Freddy said he might possibly get over there before we even leave. And, and I said, of course, we'd meet him there if he decided to go. <laughs> that seems very peculiar. But then all of your friends are peculiar. <laughs> yes, Hermione. And just look at your jacket. Have you been digging in that cellar again? Yes, Hermione. Well, there's no need for it. You can't possibly get that devil's garden thing finished before we sail for America. Go and change your clothes before the guests arrive. Oh, never mind. I see somebody coming up the walk now. Go and let them in. Yes. Uh, Hubert. Yes? Look out the window. 
There's Professor and Mrs. Goodenow, but who's that with them? Well, who... Uh... <laughs> Precisely. Freddie Sinclair. Peculiar, you should have been talking to him on the phone not three minutes ago, and now here he is. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> but then, as you see, Hermione, all of my friends are peculiar. Not half so peculiar as you. Digging in the cellar the very day we leave for America. Just look at yourself. And now that I think of it... Yes? Oh, never mind. Uh, go and let them in. Oh, you were going to ask me something, Hermione, about... Uh... The hole I'm digging in a cellar. Good heavens, stop rolling your eyes about that way. One would think you were digging a grave down there instead of a storage bin. Yes, Hermione. What's that? I said yes, Hermione. Father, open the door and please stop saying yes, Hermione. I think, my dear, I have said it for the last time. professor of botany, his loving wife, and an oblong pit in the cellar, just the right size for his botanical specimens, his devil's garden. With these ingredients for a story of a perfect crime, Back for Christmas by John Collier and starring Peter Lorre, the Roma Wine Company closes the curtain for a moment on another breathless study in suspense. In this brief intermission in the play, it's pleasant to think about the holidays. Not everyone celebrates the holidays against a background of snow and pine trees. Somewhere south of the Gulf and the Caribbean, in a gracious home surrounded by palm trees and the warm sun, you might find holiday dinners ending this way. One moment, please. Our North American guest wishes to propose a toast. Yes, mis amigos, I drink a toast in gratitude to you for your gracious hospitality and the enjoyment you've given me, an American so far from home. It is only a fair exchange, my friend. This wine in which you drink your toast, it brings enjoyment to us from your country, from America. It is Roma wine made in your own California. Yes, and when you choose the wine for your holiday table, remember this. Only a few wines are so fine that many countries of the world import them. And among these greatly enjoyable wines are the wines of Roma. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Yet here in America we are truly fortunate. For we may buy Roma wines at a very low cost. Since we don't have to pay import duty or costly shipping charges. So serve Roma wine with pride on any and all holiday occasions. Serve Roma, too, for everyday dinners. You can afford to. Ask your dealer tomorrow for your favorite Roma wine, America's largest selling wine. But before you buy wine, buy war bonds. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our sound stage Mr. Peter Lorre in Act Two of Back for Christmas. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Back for Christmas. Hermione was so positive we would be back for Christmas. 
that last afternoon, pouring tea out for a few friends who had come in to say a last-minute farewells, she kept reiterating it. Now, mind you, Hermione, don't let those Americans know your husband was one of their fat university jobs. <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> must have you with us for Christmas. He shall be back, I promise you. Well, it's not absolutely certain, of course. <laughs> Hubert, now, what do you mean it's not certain? Of course it's certain. After all, Hubert, old boy, you've contracted to lecture for only three months. Oh, that's quite right, but then, uh, of course, anything may happen. Hubert adores being unpredictable. Now, what other man would decide the day, the very day, mind you, before leaving for America? to dig a great hole in the floor of the cellar. In the cellar? Yes. He's going to put some unclassified wild orchids down there. A devil's garden, if you please. It sounds so mysterious. That's Hubert, though. It's really quite simple, however, once you find out what he's up to. Now, take that telephone call he put through to you a few minutes ago, Freddy. <clears throat> me? Of course. <clears throat> now, Hubert wanted to surprise me about your plan to meet us in New York next month. Wasn't that why he called? To ask you not to mention it? My dear Hermione, Hubert couldn't possibly have telephoned me within the past hour. I've been walking in the park since three. He didn't telephone you? Well, how could he? Just for my going to America. No, 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 no. no. Come, Freddy, come. You may as well confess... <laughs> Hermione has just found me out again. But Hubert's old chap, I really do. You see what a poor liar Hubert makes. He's red as a beetroot. Aren't you ashamed of yourself, Professor? Stringing poor Hermione along like that. And as for you, Freddy, I'm furious you said nothing to us about going to America. But, but look here, old girl. I've been trying to tell everyone here oh, that I'm... Oh, nonsense. The game's gone on long enough. Besides, we must start getting ready. Now, it was marvelous of all of you to come in to say goodbye. And don't worry about Hubert's little jokes. I will bring him back for Christmas. You may rely on it. They all believed her. For years, she had been promising me for dinner parties, garden parties, committees, and the promises had always been kept. This time, they would not be. I had seen to that. The servants were gone for good. The farewells all said. I had timed to the minute how long it would take to fill in a hole in a cellar. My devil's garden... Upstairs in her bedroom, I undressed and put on my old bathrobe. And then I I opened the door into Hermione's room. Oh, uh, uh, Hermione, uh, have you a moment to spare? Of course, dear. I'm just finished. Oh, then, uh, will you come in here for a moment, please? There's uh, something rather extraordinary here. Oh, good heavens, Hubert. What are you lounging about in that filthy old bathroom oh. for? I told you to put it into the furnace. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it today. Yes, really, I will. I well, high time. Now, what is it you want to show me? Oh, here, here, in the bathroom. Uh, just look, who in the world do you suppose dropped a gold chain down the bathtub drain? Nobody has, of course. Nobody wears such a thing. Then what is it doing in here? I don't see anything. Well, look... I'll hold this flashlight here for you. If you if you lean right over, you can see it shining. It's deep down. Oh, such a lot of nonsense. Just as well. Well, I don't see it, Hubert. Well, go on looking, Hermione, in just a moment. Hubert, I absolutely refuse. Hubert, what are you doing? Take your hands off my neck. I will, Hermione. Just as soon as I've finished the arrangements for my trip to America. What are you talking about? You thought you were the only one who could plan things, didn't you? Didn't you, Hermione, huh? Oh. Well, 
I've been making some plans of my own this past week. In exactly two minutes and 16 seconds, you'll be dead. You see? You see, I planned it very accurately. You'll never get away with it. Oh, I thought you would say that, Hermione, but I will get away with it. You won't mind the smell of the leaf mold down in a cellar when I take you down there today? <laughs> yes. That is where you are going, Hermione. Oh. Right into my devil's garden. That annoyed you so much. My friends all expect me back for Christmas. They do. If they don't hear from me, they'll start asking questions. No, they won't. Because you write them letters, Hermione. On the typewriter... As you always do. They'll be signed H in that neat, correcting way. You always sign your notes to your friends. Yeah. Let me up now. No! It won't work, Hubert. You were never any good at planning. Oh, but I have changed. I have learned from watching you all these years. The lecture people in America. They'll expect you to be traveling with your wife. I will be traveling with my wife. But not my present wife, Hermione. Hubert, it won't work, I tell you. That pit you dug in the cellar... Oh, it will work. It'll serve its purpose well. Hubert! No, no, I'm sorry, dear. This thing has to be done exactly as planned. <gasps> you have just five seconds to say your prayers. Hubert, you must listen. The cellar, it... Don't do it, Hubert! Oh, uh, uh, Stuart. Yes, sir? Oh, uh, my wife, she's in this pose. She, she'll be taking her meals in our stateroom. For the whole voyage, sir? Yes, for the whole voyage. Trust your wife is feeling better this morning, Professor Schumacher. A, a little. Uh, not yet well enough to leave her cabin. Oh, what a shame. Oh, Professor Schumacher. Yes? Here's a copy of the radiogram you sent for your wife last evening. Oh, thank you. I'll just check it over. Oh, but, but look. Look here. Why? What's the matter? Did the typist make a mistake? No. No. <laughs> it's nothing important. She can correct it later. <laughs> For a moment, I had a feeling that Hermione had been leaning over my shoulder again, correcting what I had written as she always did. I had written a radiogram to Professor Goodenough and his wife. Haven't been out of my cabin the whole beastly trip, Hubert Well. Now, doubt, we'll be back for Christmas. But the operator had left out the W and, and it read... No doubt we'll be back for Christmas. Exactly what Hermione would have written. Well, the rest of the trip was uneventful. Marion and I met in New York just as we had planned. Just as we had planned.
Professor and Mrs. Schumacher, uh, we have reservations, I believe. Oh, yes, we've been expecting you, sir. Boy, take Professor and Mrs. Schumacher's luggage up to their suite. You know, Mrs. Schumacher, you're quite a surprise. Oh? Your letter reserving the rooms was so thorough. I was expecting an older, more forbidding sort of person, oh. frankly, ma'am. <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, we're just married, but I... My letter reserving the room. Oh, oh, I wrote the letter, my dear, and, and I signed it Mrs. Hubert Schumacher. <laughs> Just a joke. What a cunning old fox you are, Hubert. <laughs> now that I think of it, I... Oh, uh, I almost okay. forgot. There's a letter for you, Mrs. Schumacher. That's peculiar. I wonder who on earth... Oh, well, we'll sure find out in good time. Come along, darling. Oh, we are keeping the boy waiting. Come oh. Nothing like a cold, brisk shower to put a man to rights. <laughs> Hubert, this letter. Oh, yes, the letter. Oh, uh, dry my hair, will you, darling? Please. It seems to be a bill of some sort from a building contractor in, in Salisbury. Oh, really? Oh, bother. Dry your own hair. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Uh, uh, let's see this bill or whatever it is. It's very puzzling. Hubert, you were a widower, weren't you? I mean, mm. Hermione isn't still alive. Hermione? Good heavens, No. <laughs> Well, let me read that. Mm-hmm. Dear madame, this is to acknowledge your order to get, to get her with the keys to your house in Lonston Place. How a man had no difficulty in finding the place where your husband had begun the excavation in a cellar, but apparently he changed his mind at the last moment and filled it in again. What is it, Hubert? How a man will begin digging tomorrow and... And the job will be completed in ample time for your surprise. Christmas present to your husband. We are happy to be conspirators with you in this thoughtful gesture and hope that Professor Schumacher will be pleased at the results of our work on his devil's garden. Very truly yours, Paul Holtzans, contractors... Means, means that Hermione was right. I will be back for Christmas. I will be back for Christmas. I will back for Christmas. And so closes Back for Christmas. Starring Mr. Peter Lorre, tonight's tale of Suspense. In just a moment, we shall hear again from Mr. Lorre. But first, just a word that seems appropriate. One of the world's oldest customs is the Christmas toast. And traditionally, down through centuries of war and peace, the Christmas toast has been drunk in wine. This year, when the glasses are filled and raised once again, we know that in every home the toast will be to a speedy victory and a speedy return of those we love. And before we set the wine glasses down, let us all resolve to do everything within our power to help make that toast come true. 
that it's resolved to help supply the weapons of war by buying even more and more war bonds. That it's resolved to face our own inconveniences without complaining. And above all, let us resolve that when this war is at last over, each of us will exert all our effort to see that future Christmases truly express peace on earth, goodwill to men. This thought, together with our very best wishes of the season, is the Roma Wine Company's Christmas message for you, its friends, here in America and throughout the world. This is Peter Laurie. Thank you for listening to our suspense play this evening, and I know you're looking forward to next week's show as I am. It is called uh, Finishing School, and its subtitle might be the famous quotation, The Female of the Species is more deadly than a male. Don't forget, then, next Thursday, same time, for Margot, Elsa Lanchester, Janet Beecher, and a distinguished all-feminine cast in Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now, wasn't that a scary story? You want to hear a scary one? Remember how when the story started, it was 8 o'clock in the morning? Well, now, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, because, as always, my computer likes to fight me tooth and nail. Getting a show out to you. It locked up, it crashed, Brad's been working on it all day, and I've been banging my head against the wall because I was planning on being done with this. Hours ago. Instead, it's eaten up all my day. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it because i got to keep you people happy because keeping you happy keeps me happy. So if anybody wants to donate to the show and buy me a new computer or an audio equipment, by all means, please do. It's still technically Christmas in Italy to January 6th. That's the Feast of the Epiphany. It's my new thing. So head on over to ScreamQueens.com, hit the donate button, and get me out of this hell. No, just kidding. But what you can do, you can't. Oh, by the way, there's no voicemail this week. And that's okay, because I can't handle any this week. So it works out perfectly. So that's my Christmas gift from the podcast gods, I suppose. So if you want to get in touch with the show next year, you can give me a call at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can donate on the webpage. You can leave a review on iTunes. You can even leave a review on Stitcher now because that's a thing. So hooray for that. And the final thing that you can do, you sexy son of a bitch, you can have a very, very happy, exciting, and fun New Year's Eve. And a safe one, okay? I don't need, I don't, I don't need to be bailing any of you people out of jail, okay? I, Mama got other things to do with her money, you know? Okay, so until next year, Continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, 
I don't know what all the fuss about them dropping a ball in Times Square is. My uterus falls out three times a week. No one gives a shit. There it went again. Bye! Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs>